0: Good morning, everybody, and thank you so much, Suzanne, for leading us in worship alley, for opening for us, um, Christine, for praying for us and for our world so powerfully. And thank you to Maya for reading this passage that we're about to dive into today, this short passage out of the start of Joshua, Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to get back to that in a second because it sits so powerfully into the story we're in in our world today. But I wanna start by talking about the story we're in in our world today, and this in particular. One of the most common phrases that you or I have heard over the past year is this. I can't wait to get back to normal. If I were Steve Furtick or someone else, I'd say stick in the chat, stick in the chat, stick in the chat, normal. I can't wait to get back to normal. This is the phrase, this is the cry, this is the the desire that we've heard so many times and we've said so many times ourselves. I can't wait to get back to normal. I can't wait till things are normal. But here's a question, what do we really mean by that? What is the normal that we can't wait to get back to? Do we mean back to that overarching story of our world that's dominated by anxiety and fear and depression and loneliness and insecurity and lack of purpose and consumerism and greed and dissatisfaction with consumerism? This, that overarching story that's possibly m- more powerful, more prominent than any other time in history, is that the normal we want to get back to? Or do we want to get back to the normal of the office that we complained about or, or the school situation or exams that stressed us out or the, the business or the job pressures that overwhelmed us or just the never ending cycle of, of activities and programs and meetings and kids sports and all these things that just kept a social life that just kept us on the treadmill of life before lockdown stopped so much of it. What is it about normal that we really want to get back to? And I recognize when I say that about all those pressures, there's some things we we really do need to get back to. There are people in our church and our family or they're watching this that need to get back to the space of being able to make an income with hairdressers and driving instructors and Pub owners and hotel owners. I don't think we have many hotel owners among us, but we have people that just need to get back to the, the place of earning an income. We, we need to get back to that side of normal. And, and of course, there are other things that we just rightly miss. We miss connection. We miss I was, face-to-face conversation that's not covered by this. We miss human proximity. We miss seeing families and friends. And you know, I was even talking about, we miss small talk. We miss the gatherings, the office space, the small groups, the the church spaces where you just say hi to people. Have those little conversations that connect us and that that lead us to the bigger conversations. And all these things were stopped last year, just in a couple days last year on March 23rd. But do we really just want to get back to Normal. I actually love how our language has changed around this over the past year. Because what's the new phrase we're using? The new phrase we're using is that we are moving toward a new normal. (laughs) A new normal. That's the big, that's the wording now, isn't it? And I think it's partly because the world has recognized, spiritual or unspiritual, atheist or believing in God, that there's some sort of reset that's happened. It's happened in our economy, it's happened in our schools, it's happened in our healthcare systems, and in our health, and it's definitely happened in technology. There are things about how we work, operate, that will never be the same again. But I think this language around new normal is also out of a a desire, not just to go back to the way things were. I, I think, again, whether you believe in God or not, we... Everyone wants to use this opportunity to learn and to grow. Please don't let my life, my job, my family, my work context, my relationships just go back to normal. Well, right now, God willing, because only he knows what's going to happen. We are on a countdown to a new normal. And the countdown could be pretty short. And my prayer for us as a a church family, as a group of believers, and for anyone who's watching, is that we will step into, that we will find a new normal. And that's why we're looking at Joshua chapter 3 today. Because it's such an important story and God's story lays so many signposts and so many lessons. But this story of Joshua 3 is is so important to us. And the reality is, Maya just read a tiny bit of it, but we all know this story fairly well. We've we've just hopped into the middle of a situation where the people of Israel, people of Israel, are literally just about to step into, into a new normal. And just like you and I, they didn't know what it's gonna look like. The slight difference is they were gonna geographically step into into a new land, sort of. And we'll get to that in a second. But here's the story, here's the background. God's people the Israelites there's about a million and a half of them right now. They're standing on the banks of the of the River Jordan just north of the Dead Sea. They could have taken a dip down to the Dead Sea and floated in the waters if they wanted, but they were they were preoccupied at the time. And they're standing looking at this river, looking across this river to the fortress city called Jericho. We all know the song, Joshua Fought the battle. Well, I'm not going to sing that today. They're standing on the river and they're staring across at this new land and this fortress city. So how did they get here? How did this huge group of people get here? Well, well to think about that, we need to jump back a bit. We need to jump back about 600 years. Because 600 years before this event, God... Led their their patriarch, Grandpa Abraham, actually great 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 grandpa Abraham, to the land that they're now looking across at, and God told Abraham that this that that land would be a land for his people. He he told them that his family, even though he had none at that stage, was going to get enormous. Check, they're standing there pretty enormous. He told them that they would be blessed and they've just come out of slavery. So that's not really how they feel right now. But in their history, they had been very blessed. So check. And he told them that they would be a a blessing to the whole world. And that's a bit of a hmm. (laughs) We're not sure at this moment because for the last 600 years, the reality is that this people that are now a million and a half or more have barely been a a blessing to each other, let alone a blessing to their neighbors or the world. In fact, even this land is, 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 has been in and out of the promise. During Abraham's life, he'd already fled this land once to safety in Egypt. And we know the story. While he was in Egypt, he lied to the Egyptians about his wife, Sarah, just to protect his back. And then he, he lied to other people again, just to protect his back. So he fled and then he, then he came back to the promised land. So out and already back in again. And and then we know that by the third generation, so there's Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, Grandpa Jacob, uh, well, he wasn't much of a blessing either. You see, Grandpa Jacob got in trouble because he tricked his brother Esau out of giving him his birthright. And there was so much conflict there that Jacob had to flee the land again for his life. And then Jacob came back to the land with his tail between his legs to beg Esau for his forgiveness. So again, out of the land and then back in again. But amazingly, on Jacob's way back into the land, God meets him again. We know the story of that wrestling with God. And God reminds Jacob of his promise to Abraham, to a great family, for great blessing, and that they would be a blessing to the whole world. So God meets Jacob and everything's about to swing in the right direction, right? They're going to go forward in a, in, a, in a better way. Well, we know that's not true. Because by the fourth generation, Jacob's sons, he has 11 sons, uh, this bit of the story. And, and this there's so much dysfunction and there's so much hatred in this family that 10 of the sons decide to kill the, the 11th son. The 12th, 12th son is going to come. And then they decide to be nice to him, and instead of killing him, they just sell him into slavery in Egypt. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And God remembered his promise. The land, the great family, and the blessing. And 400 Years later, after the people, because they had betrayed their brother, ended up slaves in Egypt, 400 years later, God raises up Moses to free them from slavery in Egypt and to take them back to the promised land. So out of the land and then back in again, they go, almost, almost. <laughs> Because a few months after that, again, we know the story. They're on the edge of the promised land. Not the same spot as today, the story we read today, but another spot. And they're looking across at it. And what are they? Are, are they thinking, yeah, God said he'd give it to us. Let's take it. No, they're they're afraid. They're cowering. Those people are huge. We're like grasshoppers. They're fruits bigger than us. And so in fear, they turn around. And because of that, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And they did all sorts of stupid things. They even turned away from the God that did all those miracles amongst them and worshipped a calf made of gold. But God remembered his promise. And 40 years later, 600 years after Abraham first came to this land, We join the story today when the people are on the edge of the wilderness looking across into the promised land. They're staring across the river to a land that they had never been to before. But a land that had so much history in the DNA of their family. And God is telling them that he will show them, as Maya read, he will show them a new way to go since they have never been this way before. And this is really important because they have never been here before, but they as a family, their forefathers have been here before. And I'm sure they have lots of stories to tell about it. I'm sure they have some good stories to tell about the wealth and about the blessing. But there are also many things about the history of this land that they do not want to repeat. These people standing on the river do not want to go back to the old normal. They want to move towards a new normal. Because normal, old normal for them was fear. It was betrayal very much. It was lying very much. It was lack of faith. It was complacency. It was even sometimes a, a time of blessing, a financial blessing when they were, they were fairly comfortable at times, but they were never a blessing to the world around them. They, they weren't a blessing to each other, let alone to the world around them. So the people of Israel, 600 years after Abraham, are being called literally and metaphorically into a new normal. And I believe this story is so important for us today because after a year of the world shutting down, shifting, sifting, shaking, God is calling us as a people, us as Grace Fellowship, and you and I individually into a new normal and this is not necessarily a new place or a new home or a new job or a new family or a new community or or a new church but this is a new way a new way to live, a new way to interact, a new way to love, a new way to speak, a new way to serve in our place, in our job, in our home, in our family, in our church, in our community. But my question for me and my question for you has to be how? How? Are we going to step into this new normal? That sounds great. I I want new. I desperately do not want to go back to the old. I don't want to go back to normal. But, But how do I step into a new normal? How do we not go back? How do we move forward? How do we let God move us forward, take us forward and do amazing things among us? Well, well. The, the interesting thing is the other thing that I've heard quite a bit over the last while, after, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal or the new normal's coming, after those things, the other thing I've heard probably most commonly is, you know, I didn't use this space and this time as I could've or, or I should've. The world stopped, especially in the first lockdown for months. My job changed, my social life ended, and I wanted to take more space and time with God. I, I wanted to stop. I wanted to listen. I wanted to, to get to know him better, to seek him in his word and in his voice, but but I didn't use the time like I, like I could have or like I should have. And, and what I want to say to you and to me and that is if that is you then you are not alone. (laughs) You are not alone in grace fellowship and you are very much not alone with the people of Israel. The Israelites made pretty poor use of four generations in the promised land. And then they lost 400 years in Egypt. And then they wasted another 40 years walking around in the wilderness. So that should make us feel a bit better about about a year we wasted in lockdown, although I'm sure there's more we've wasted. But after all that, God still was saying and still is saying that I am still faithful. I am still compassionate. I have still brought you to the border of the promised land. And I still want to take you away. You have never been before. And then just at the border of the promised land, looking across the river, Joshua gives this vital command to the people that, that is inextricably linked to this new way he says this consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the lord will do amazing things among you consecrate yourselves so what does consecrate mean? Here, here's the definition here, consecrate. It's a verb, it's an action word. Make or declare something sacred, devoted, set apart for a special purpose. And I love that consecrate yourself. This is our part in the new normal. We are to consecrate ourselves today, and tomorrow's amazing things are God's job. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I will do, I will do great things among you. And this phrase has proved so true in my life. And I'm sure it's proved true in your life as well. When I start my day by stopping and by setting aside space and time for God, for his words, for his voice, for his presence, yielding to him, consecrating myself. And I say this carefully, good things happen. And please hear me. I do not mean prosperity gospel. I do not mean health and wealth and and power happen. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is that in those days, I am more encouraged. I am more inspired. I am more courageous. I am more faith-filled. I am seeking more the opportunities that Jesus is presenting to me around me. I I am more in tune with the things God wants to do. And when I don't create this space, I'm not. When I consecrate myself, God does greater things among, through, and around me. And when I don't, either he doesn't or I miss them more often. And I want to be clear here, I'm I'm not working toward a work works. You have to work to earn God's favor and salvation. I, I am saved by grace. I am saved by the life and death and resurrection of God and, and the power of him. I, I believe that I'm totally forgiven, cleansed, purified right with God because of that. But I become more alive more appreciative, more hope-filled, more loving, more joy-filled, more aware of God's presence. I am much more in step with the amazing things God wants to do among me when I set aside time daily to consecrate myself. I have seen this lesson literally over and over again in my life with the high points when I have and equally with the lower points or low points when I haven't. And I'm sure you have too. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I'm going to do amazing things among you. So I want to, just as we come to a close here, we're going to worship again, then I want to give some more practical things, but I want to just take some time to say, what does this look like? What, and I want to give you the example of my life, not that my life is, is the ultimate way to do it, there's not many others, but, but, but consecrate is a verb. It's an action word. It's a proactive word. It's not a passive word. And, and what I try to do in my life is simple. And it's definitely not the only way. But I really want to and am committed to and I'm trying to set in stone now more than ever this space to consecrate myself every day. So what I do is simply this. I set my alarm every morning an amount of time before my family gets up, and that's not that important to you. But it could be 15 minutes, it could be half an hour, it could be an hour, or you know, those great Christians that we read about or know, but it's way more than that. But I set my alarm for an amount of time before my family gets up. And then I, I try to do the simple thing, the simple principle or, or pattern that 24-7 prayer have given us. I pray. P R A why i pause i first just try to sit quietly not think other than think on jesus and try to hear god's voice and just listen to a silence or to something and in that space, I often read the Bible and read through the Bible app. And I want to talk about that in a second. Right now, it's only a few verses a day. I was just going through before the Bible in a year, which many of you had, which is like four or five chapters a day. But anywhere in between those two things, I pause and then I rejoice. I just try to thank God for anything I can think of, all the things I'm thankful for, or even some things I'm not, but I want I want to thank God for the positives and the way I see him in them. And with rejoicing with R, I also repent, God, what are the things, bring anything before him that I know I need to confess to him. P-R-A. And then I ask, I I ask God for things for my, or or I pray and ask him about my family, about my friends, about the people he's placed on my heart all around me, or about situations that have come into my head or my heart for around the world. Quite often, this is about me asking God for courage, for compassion, for for proactivity, to, to love, to speak, for wisdom into the lives, to serve into the lives around me. I ask and finally I yield and I use this phrase, your kingdom from the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come Lord, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Today, God. I want my life to be about your life, about your way, your kingdom come Lord, your will be done. And when I am regularly doing this, my life looks a whole lot more like Jesus. And when I'm not, it doesn't. And that is is the story told a thousand times over in my life and in yours and in people's lives all over the world. God calls us to consecrate ourselves because tomorrow he will do great things among us. Right now, we are on a clock ticking down to something. And I pray it is to a new normal. You know, I think every day, and I know every day, God wants to do great things among us. He's never stopped working. But he wants us to consecrate ourselves and join him in it so we can step into that new way, that new day. Right now, we're going to stop And Suzanne is going to lead us in worship. We're going to take some time. She's going to point us to God. And I hope we take some time to process, I pray, things that are important. And then we're going to come back. And I just want to give you another couple practical encouragements before we go. Let's worship. Yeah. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for leading us into that space of worship and helping us focus our eyes from ourselves and on to God. Thank you so much. As I close, I just want I just want to say this one thing. you know as I've been preparing this stuff over the past week, there's been a voice constantly sort of ringing into my ear and it's a question that, that I could be asking just as easily as any of you can be and are probably asking. And that's yeah that's great paul but but i'm i'm not good at this stuff i i don't see god moving around or in or through me and and i'm not good at devotions i'm not good at stopping and praying and reading my bible and I, I, that's just I, I don't see that stuff in my life i want to but it's not me and all i want to say is if that's you if that's your question if that's your voice then then join the club <laughs> Then get in the queue here amongst the family at Grace with me or definitely with the people of Israel. Because God was saying to them, basically, forget about the last 40 years. Forget about your wandering in the wilderness and all the mistakes. And you know, forget about the last 600 years of of your family history, right back to Abraham. I am calling you today to walk with me today, to consecrate yourself today because I want to do great things among you. I love what the Apostle Paul says about this in Philippians 3. He says, Not that I have already obtained this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. And then he goes on to say, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. This is so important. Forget what is behind. Your normal. (laughs) And look ahead to what is ahead. The possibility of a new normal forget your mistakes, your complacency, your failures of the past. They're they're behind. There's nothing you can do about them. The most you can do is to confess or repent the the people you've hurt or to God. And you know what? Don't even worry about tomorrow because the amazing things he wants to do amongst us are up to God. All you can do is today. So stop. Create space and consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, I will do great things among you. So this is what I wanna leave you. If you have no idea where to start with this, you want to, but you have no idea where to start, I just wanna give you two encouraging and practical suggestions. One is the version Bible app. This is an app you can download in any app store. You can get it on your phone, you can get it in your tablet, and it has all the Bible in it in every translation, but it also has some amazing plans, many amazing plans, from like three to Bible plans, from, from like three to four verses a day to four or five or six chapters a day and everything in between. And most of the plans have like a guide or, or help with them to understand what you're reading and what you're digging into from God. I love what Nicky Gumbel says in this, the minister of Holy Trinity, Brompton, and the guy behind the Alpha Course. He says, when I pray, I start by reading the Bible, because I think it's more important that I hear God's voice than he hears mine. I love that. So the Version Bible app or other apps like it are such an amazing tool to help us stop and make space for God. And the other thing I would highly recommend is the Lectio 365 app by 24-7 prayer. It leads you through a 10-minute space of devotion, of Bible, of silence that will help you pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. It will help you create a space 365 days a year, to consecrate yourself to God there are so many ways to create this space and just as many times of the day if morning doesn't work for you like it works for me maybe lunch works for you maybe an afternoon walk maybe late at night is when your mind's really going maybe that's the space how isn't important when isn't important but today is vitally important We are on our way out of a year where the world has been shaken, stopped, reset, and we are on a countdown to a new normal. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among us grace, fellowship, family, and everyone else. Let's get ready for a new normal. And God help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.